The Daily 202 is sponsored by T. Rowe Price. Check out The Confident Wallet, a personal finance podcast series by T. Rowe Price and the Washington Post Brand Studio. Good morning. I'm James Holman from The Washington Post, and this is The Daily 202 for Thursday, January 24th. In today's news, President Trump tells Rudy Giuliani to cut back on his TV hits. Michael Cohen cancels his congressional testimony, saying he fears for his safety. And the U.S. plans to keep its diplomats in Venezuela after Nicolas Maduro gave them 72 hours to leave. But first, the big idea. After a day of scathing back and forth between Trump and Nancy Pelosi, the president announced last night that he will indefinitely postpone his State of the Union address until after the shutdown ends. Earlier Wednesday, Trump tried to call Pelosi's bluff, saying he planned to honor her invitation that she'd extended in early January. But Pelosi then officially canceled the address in the House chamber and said she wouldn't give Trump access. Trump then said he'd be doing something alternative, but didn't specify. Then, late Wednesday night on Twitter, Trump appeared to walk back that threat, saying it's Pelosi's prerogative. She responded with a tweet urging Trump to support legislation passed by the House to reopen the government without funding for the border wall. An annual show of unity has devolved into disunity. Pelosi's decision is without precedent, and historians say there's no other instance of a House speaker denying the use of the chamber for a president. Bottom line, the fight over the State of the Union basically sums up the state of our union. Meanwhile, the Senate will make its first formal attempt to resolve the shutdown today by holding votes on dueling bills from Trump and the Democrats, both of which are going to fail. The votes will test the abilities of Mitch McConnell and Chuck Schumer to unify their sides and likely to negotiate with each other afterward. In other dramatic showdowns over the past decade, it was the Senate that found a bipartisan solution when the House hit roadblocks. Think back to the Wall Street bailout of 2008 or the reopening of government after the 2013 shutdown. But those were crises that predated Trump's mercurial presidency. In effect, the defeat of both measures will demonstrate in the most concrete manner yet that both sides have been pushing for something that's not feasible and that some new compromise must be forged. On the other side, House Democratic leaders appear to be softening their negotiating position, at least somewhat, as they consider offering Trump money for border security, but not the wall. Democrats are considering matching Trump's $5.7 billion request, but to put the money toward things like immigration judges and drones. Democrats say they would only consider such legislation after the government reopens. This movement signals an urgent desire to end the shutdown. After many House Dems spent the long holiday weekend hearing from angry voters back home about the difficulties they're experiencing as a result of the shutdown. Over at the White House, Jared Kushner, the president's son-in-law, has emerged as one of the most prominent players in negotiations. Kushner spoke up at a recent Oval Office meeting about cutting a deal to end the shutdown. After listening to his son-in-law expound on policy and possible areas of compromise with Democrats, Trump glanced at the others in the room and said, quote, apparently Jared has become an expert on immigration in the last 48 hours. The remark, described by sources in the room to Josh Dossie and Bob Costa, underscored another power shift inside the West Wing, where there's always so much intrigue. Kushner has emerged as an omnipresent and assertive player in this now 33-day impasse, despite deep skepticism on Capitol Hill among Republicans about his political abilities. Repeatedly assuring Trump that he can personally strike a deal with Democrats, Kushner has overshadowed other advisors in a West Wing that's been largely empty this month because of furloughs. 
He usually huddles to discuss strategy each morning with the president, the vice president, and a few others. Kushner's role has been fueled by a burst of self-confidence following his help in passing criminal justice legislation in December, plus his assistance on trade negotiations and the departure of former Chief of Staff John Kelly. Kelly curbed Kushner's role and accused him repeatedly of, quote, playing government. Convinced that Senate Democrats will eventually crack and that there are votes for a bipartisan agreement, Kushner has urged the president to dig in. But that's becoming harder, however, as polls show Trump is losing the battle for public opinion. A new Associated Press survey released last night shows Americans are highly skeptical of Trump's arguments that the wall will reduce crime or the flow of drugs. And the survey puts Trump's approval rating at just 34%. That's down from 42% last month. The president's approval rating among Republicans is strong, about 80%. But his standing with independence is its lowest point of his time in office. Six in 10 Americans say Trump bears a great deal of responsibility for the shutdown. Only a third place the same amount of blame on congressional Democrats. And that's the big idea. Here are three other headlines that should be on your radar. Number one, Trump has directed his lawyer, Rudy Giuliani, to scale back media interviews after his recent contradictory comments about plans for a Trump Tower in Moscow. But the president does not plan to fire Giuliani. As special counsel Bob Mueller closes in, Trump still views Rudy as a valuable attack dog. The president has also asked Giuliani to clean up some of his recent misstatements publicly, complaining that he created a weekend of bad news, including negative cable cryons, which the president obsesses over, at a time when Trump wanted public attention focused on Mueller disputing a BuzzFeed report that Trump directed Cohen to lie under oath to Congress. Some of the president's closest allies have reportedly suggested that Giuliani should be barred from doing interviews in the evening because of concern that he's going on TV after consuming alcohol. Giuliani has admitted that he's gone on TV after having a glass of wine, but he's insisted he doesn't have a drinking problem. For now, the two septuagenarian New Yorkers appear stuck with each other, to the chagrin of some of the president's staffers. White House aides in the communication shop have grown frustrated with Giuliani, and they privately mock his TV interviews. They like to joke that they spend more time responding to Giuliani's answers than Giuliani does preparing to give them. People familiar with Trump's legal strategy say Giuliani's public comments could also hurt their standing with Mueller and prolong the probe. Giuliani has finished a report that he wrote questioning the integrity of Mueller's investigation, and he's apparently shown it to the president. Sources say that Trump has been impressed by its length. Number two, Trump's longtime former lawyer, Michael Cohen, canceled his testimony before Congress that was scheduled for February 7th. Lanny Davis, an attorney for Cohen, said it's because of, quote, ongoing threats against his family from President Trump. It's not clear to which threats Davis is referring, and he declined to provide us with more detail. Asked about the claim he's threatening Cohen, Trump told reporters at the White House yesterday, quote, I would say he's been threatened by the truth. He's only been threatened by the truth. But it's not clear that lawmakers will let Cohen back out of his commitment to appear. House Oversight Committee Chairman Elijah Cummings, the Democrat from Maryland, and House Intelligence Committee Chairman Adam Schiff, the Democrat from California, said in a joint statement that they certainly understand what they call the completely legitimate concerns for the safety of Cohen and his family. But the lawmakers added that they've repeatedly offered their assistance to work with law enforcement to enhance security measures for Cohen, plus his wife and kids. 
Stephen Lynch, a Democratic congressman from Massachusetts who's on the Oversight Committee, said several members of the panel are in favor of subpoenaing Cohen sooner rather than later to try to get him prior to his incarceration. In related news, the House Intelligence and Financial Services Committees are planning a joint investigation into Deutsche Bank's business ties to Trump. This could provide a glimpse into the president's personal finances and underscore just how exposed he is to influence from foreign actors. Maxine Waters, a Democrat from California, asked the German bank last year for details on its handling of Trump's accounts and the bank's involvement in Russian money laundering schemes. But the bank refused to respond to her inquiries. Now, she has subpoena power, and we'll try again to get some answers. Number three. The United States has recognized opposition leader Juan Guaido as the rightful leader of Venezuela after he declared himself interim president, prompting President Nicolas Maduro to demand that all U.S. diplomats leave the country within 72 hours. The high-stakes move has set up a looming diplomatic crisis. Guaido called on U.S. diplomats to remain, and in a statement last night, Secretary of State Mike Pompeo indicated the Trump administration will not heed Maduro's demands and called on the Venezuelan armed forces to refrain from endangering any U.S. personnel, promising that they will face, quote, appropriate actions if anything bad happens to any Americans. Until recently, Maduro had been viewed as deeply entrenched. His socialist inner circle, many of whom stand accused of drug trafficking and other criminal offenses, occupy every position of power. The fast-moving events in Venezuela have taken observers by surprise, and Pompeo's statement, declining to remove our diplomats and hinting at the use of force, shows that this could escalate. So keep an eye on Caracas. And that's The Daily 202 for Thursday, January 24th. Thanks for listening. I'm James Hellman. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Thank you.